Today on Blue Bay Insights, we welcome back our Chief Investment Strategist, David Riley. Hi, David. Hello, Alex. Well, David, it's a week since we last spoke, and there's been so much news and market action to digest. Let's discuss the policy announcements first. Do you think policymakers have done enough to support the economy and financial markets? Yes, well, when we last spoke, um, I said there had been a step change in the policy response by central banks and, and governments to you know, cope with the economic consequences of the virus and, and the efforts to contain it. And, uh, you know, as you're alluding to, there's been a, you know, more policy announcements um, since then as well. So we've got the Fed that has said it's willing to buy even more than the $700 billion of US Treasury and mortgage backed securities it previously said it was going to buy. And it's willing to do so for as long as required to stabilize markets. So, so we've got a Fed that's committed to unlimited and open-ended QE, quantitative easing. With the backing of the US Treasury, the Fed has also announced that it's going to buy up to $300 billion worth of investment-grade corporate bonds and asset-backed securities. We previously had the ECB with its 750 billion euro pandemic emergency asset purchase program, but it's just recently said that that will not be constrained by uh, the issuer limits that it has in terms of its sort of standard uh, QE. And there's also active discussion around common euro bonds and about activating OMT. So this was the outright monetary transactions that sort of backed up former ECB President Mario Draghi's uh, famous whatever-it-takes commitment to save the euro during the height of the eurozone sovereign debt crisis. And uh, I think it is encouraging that we've seen the yield gap between Italian and German government bonds fallen by some 100 basis points since the beginning of uh, the previous week. And, And it's not only central banks that are now all in in their efforts to contain the economic and financial fallout from the health crisis. So the US Senate has just passed a $2 trillion fiscal package. So this is around about the 10% of the US economy. About half the fiscal stimulus is going to be in the form of rebate checks for individuals, uh, tax relief for businesses, increased health spending, expanding unemployment benefits. The rest is made up of loans and guarantees to help the corporate sector cope with what will hopefully prove a temporary collapse in cash flows caused by the spread of the virus. Uh, I think it's also interesting that as part of that fiscal package, there's $500 billion or so that's been allocated to the Treasury to support distressed business including $450 billion to allow to to leverage up Fed funding so it can go out and buy more corporate bonds, buy more private sector um, assets. And then even Germany, you know, the standard bearer of fiscal conservatism, has announced a supplementary budget uh, of 156 billion euros, 4.5% of GDP, uh, focused on higher social spending and support for self-employed. It's also setting up a $600 billion rescue fund that will provide loans and guarantees for companies. So even though you know, potentially more fiscal support may be required for you know, economies that are facing uh, unprecedented shutdowns, I do think that for the first time since the crisis spread to Europe and North America, central banks and governments have caught up with the severity of the crisis 
and are demonstrating that they do whatever it takes to minimise the economic damage from the virus and, and the efforts to contain it. Well, markets seem to have been impressed. Equity markets have posted record bounces over the first few days of this week. Does that mean more of the worst of the sell-off and volatility in financial markets? Uh, that's, that's a big question. I mean, you know, history is littered with some pretty big bear market rallies uh, that are then followed by you know, risky asset prices testing new lows. So I think it's you know, a, not only a big and bold call to say we are past the worst, but I think it's a bit early to say that, certainly with any high level of uh, conviction. You know, what we do know is that the collapse in output in the first half of this year will be bigger than any in the last 60 years for the global economy. But we still don't know how big that's going to be. We don't know how long the recession will last. And we don't know how much permanent damage uh, will be done. That being said, I, th- I think there are grounds for some cautious optimism. China is getting back to work. Um, as we've just discussed, the monetary and fiscal policy response is at last commensurate with the scale of the crisis. The lockdown in Italy is slowing the spread of the virus. The number of new cases has dropped into, in, in, in terms of uh, daily increase, has dropped into the um, uh, single-digit percentage, uh, percentage-wise. Obviously, we're still seeing, you know, a, a big increase uh, and escalation in in Spain, and also uh, a continuing rapid spread in the United States. And, and we're seeing the virus taking hold in other countries such as um, India and Russia. So I, I still think we are at best several weeks from a meaningful relaxation of you know, the lockdowns across the world, which are suffocating the global economy. That said, I, I do think that we have passed the shock and panic phase in financial markets. Uh, liquidity has improved, though they remain very fragile. Um, I do expect some easing in the overall level of, of volatility, but I, I, I just think there are too many uncertainties to make a definitive call that we are, you know, setting the stage for a durable rally in risk assets. You say that market liquidity has improved. Are credit markets fixed? Well, the primary market for companies to issue bonds is open. Um, Investment-grade companies have been bringing bonds to the market, although at spread levels that four weeks ago would have been considered you know, high yield. There has been some improvement in liquidity, but it's still you know, challenging. I think the market is still very fragile. We still have an inversion at the short end of the high-grade credit spread curve, especially in the US. And I think this speaks to the continuing pressure on investor liquidity and demand for cash. Uh, unsecured credit is currently outperforming secured credit, so leveraged loans and structured credit. The spreads on AAA-rated collateralized loan obligations, for example, are around 350 to 400 basis points wide. And that's actually even wider than, say, B rated European corporate bonds. I, I think the stress in structured credit though in part reflects the unwind of some leveraged investment funds, as well as this ongoing demand, I think, for more vanilla and uh, liquid securities. So, you know, we've had a 
very violent, very painful repricing across credit markets. I, I do think that we are at levels in terms of valuations that historically have been rewarding for investors brave enough to you know, weather the volatility and with capital to deploy. Uh, we recently issued a note looking at high yield valuations and returns from a historical perspective. And that did highlight that previous episodes of stress have almost invariably been followed by positive returns over a two to three year um, horizon. In investment grade, I think investors continue to be very fearful of a wave of downgrades and fallen angels into high yield. And we're seeing some of those announcements over the last you know, couple of days. And, and that's something which we'll also be um, publishing some, some commentary on as well. But overall, I, I do think there are some pockets of value across credit markets that you know, offer a decent risk-reward profile, in my opinion. But investors you know, do need to trade carefully. They do need to be selective. And finally today, what are the indicators you are focused on in the near term? Well, as, as we've been doing is to continue to track the spread and uh, the tragedy of the death rate of the coronavirus across Europe, notably in Italy as the first major developed economy to suffer a very severe outbreak, as well as you know, tracking developments in the United States. Also, you know, just monitoring for any renewed outbreaks in countries that have so far been successful in containing the virus and have since uh, relaxed their lockdowns. In, in, until we have the health crisis uh, addressed, I think it's hard to put a, a time path on you know, when we're going to start moving back to some level of normality and, and the economy can get restarted again. What I do think we're going to get as well, though, over the coming days and weeks is the economic data that will give us an idea on just how deep this recession uh, will be. I do think that there are some investors out there who may be quite shocked by the rise in unemployment that we are going to see uh, across many economies. I, I mentioned before that you know China is get, getting back to work. I think it's you know, worth tracking not only the downturn in China, but also the subsequent recovery, the evolution of uh, global commodity prices as, as a guide for the future path of the global economy as it, you know, eventually emerges from, from under this specter of the uh, coronavirus. The other thing which I'm monitoring is investor flows across asset classes. You know, are, are investors beginning to be enticed back into the market by evidence of value and the policy response that we're seeing, or will we see further outflows that you know, could trigger some further bouts of illiquidity and, and, and repricing? I think the jury is still out on that question. And I do think we are likely to get more policy announcements, although I think now it's more about focusing on whether the, the measures that have been announced will be effective in providing you know, liquidity, uh, financial, fiscal support to households and, and businesses so that the um, economic damage uh, from, from, from this crisis is contained, is minimised and, and, and setting the foundation for a uh, subsequent recovery. Thank you, David. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission 
and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except for suitant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials. The offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.